Cast. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show, featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love, and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement. Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, it becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's a great pleasure. I have a very special guest today, Susan Gold, who I'm so excited about sharing her information with our audience. Definitely identify with this topic. And I hope each of you pay attention and listen to what we're about to discuss. Navigating a ferociously challenging upbringing while bravely moving forward as an adult to face ingrained, outdated, and patriarchal programming head-on, our guest now shares a unique perspective in viewing life's challenges as occasions for transformation. Through her book, Toxic Family, Transforming Childhood Trauma into Adult Freedom, Susan turns the standard paradigm on its head leading others through her own journey of abuse, addiction, and surviving narcissism, all while creating a distinctly empowering personal and professional life. To great pleasure, I welcome Susan Gold to the show. Welcome to the show, Susan. Hey, Jason, it's really good to be here. I just wonder, do your other guests like freak out because you've got such psychic ability? (laughs) (laughs) Not really. I think if anything, what they do is they don't realize as we talk that I'll pick up stuff. And then at, at the end of the show, they'll ask me off record, do you pick up anything? if I haven't said something. So it's more of an icebreaker than anything else. Between being interviewed by or having a conversation with a psychic and lawyer, it's a little intimidating, Jason. You're making me laugh right now. And that's a good thing. I could use a laugh. We all could use a little laugh. And I feel honored. And you know what? It's funny you say that because I try to put my guests at ease with everything we do here because... Look, you're on an important journey and a mission yourself. You've overcome 
the things that I told you before we start our episode, and I'll share with our audience, I'm about full transparency at this point. I survived a pretty traumatic childhood, and I have close friends who have done the same. And I looked at your information, and I'm thinking to myself, if there's anything I'd love to have on my show right now, it's you, because you're bringing up a topic that I need to be more transparent and open about. When we deal with childhood trauma, at least, and I'm not an expert, I'm not a trauma expert, I'm not, I got my bachelor's in psychology, so I don't speak very more than beyond a layperson's perspective. But from living through trauma myself, I will tell you, I believe it haunts us the rest of our lives until we learn how to get things in check. I will tell you that as an adult, I say this for purpose of maybe offering healing to anyone in my audience that goes through the same thing. But I find myself in my late 40s, looking back to my early years and wondering why if I get ghosted by someone I fall for, how it could be so traumatic for me years later. Or if I have interpersonal relationships with people who I consider my close besties or best friends, and they just don't stay close to you. And that gets frustrating for me. And I wanted to ask you, when you work with people and you put out your information and you've gone through this yourself, how do you coach others or advise others when they get triggered? What steps they should take to prevent that triggering mechanism from continuously happening to them because of a prior childhood trauma? I you don't have official letters behind my name either. It just came from School of Hard Knocks. <laughs> and it's been years wading through decades of recovery. The first step for me was even to be aware that I had these issues. I knew in my childhood home something was really fluffed up in a big way. I knew. And I have memories going way, way back. My siblings all have their own experience. It's very different. I don't know if it's like that for you with with your brother, but yeah, it's really interesting how that works. But really, I help others find voice to their own trauma and then help them walk through awareness. And it was important to get a linear dialogue down on my own story. But what's really been most helpful in really shifting those trauma pockets in my body and shifting at a cellular level to really clean out that ancient lineage was somatic work. What do you find was your biggest challenge when you went through this work for yourself with the healing and everything that you've encountered? It's been different in each decade, but initially it was just really admitting it. And in my family, you can go to somebody and pay them to talk about your problems or let out family secrets. Like what? I'm laughing right now because that's what my family was like at first. When I was younger, my grandmother would always say, why would you want to talk about our family issues to complete strangers? Talk to us about it. I'm like, no, my grandmother's a narcissist. You can't go to a narcissist and say you're the cause of the problem. If you try to have that conversation, what does it usually do? It winds up back on you or it winds up on somebody else. Like You can't just talk to somebody like that who doesn't have any prior awareness or a willingness to talk about things like that, that are critical of the narcissist. Did you find that in your family dynamic? That I just am curious to see, did you have a family member that was the narcissist? And then did you have other family members that had to play along with that kind of script in your family when you were growing up? I think I had several family members directly. 
that could be defined as narcissist, but I didn't really understand that word, Jason, until I was well into adulthood, deep into adulthood. I remember Googling the word. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I think they are awful people. They have so bruised my life when I was younger. Having adult friends who are narcissists are like poison kryptonite to me. I can't have anyone in my life that's a narcissist like that now, because for me, relationships have to be balanced and equally shared and reciprocal. And if there's somebody in my life now that comes in and tries to act like the way my grandmother did when I was growing up, I run away from them. I can't even deal with that type of energy in my life. And I guess I want to ask you, have you found that you have a similar type feeling in your own personal space that after you've overcome this as a child and you've gone through, like you said, the decades of healing and growth, that if you get introduced to somebody and then they be, they start showing signs of a narcissist, I wish there was a test you could take, like a COVID test, that you could swab their nose while they're asleep. And then you wake up and it's a narcissist, run away now. It's not worth it. Do you have the fear of narcissists in your life or have you managed or maintained them in such a way where they're at an arm's length and you don't have to worry about them interceding too much in your personal life? I think the word narcissism now and narcissist is bandied about pretty freely and pretty loosely. So I would have to say for myself, I really have compassion at this point for who the narcissist is because they didn't come in that way. Something happened for them to create a false persona, to not feel worthy enough to be their true selves. At least that was the case in my own experience with narcissists. And I didn't clearly understand the definition until I guess I came, I went to LA from New York. I was invited for a gig. I thought it was going to be a great career move. And really I went to LA to meet my greatest guru, who was the man who would become my ex-husband. And we were together like 13 years before I really understood who he was. And I saw his mask fall, unfortunately. And it was excruciatingly painful. It was perfect storm. Everything that I had learned growing up in my family, recovering from alcoholism, battling and overcoming clinical depression, really helped me face a true blue narcissist. And we lived in the same domicile while he was suing me for divorce. It was a home I bought and paid for our family. And he took up residence in the master and I was in a partial conversion on a mattress on the floor in a home I had bought and paid for. But that was the billboard, Jason, it took for me to wake up to what I was allowing and permitting. and. It was a year of no contact, including no eye contact in the same domicile. Anything was in writing and it was brief. And then after a calendar year in that circumstance, we settled. I was able to write him a six-figure check and he could move on to his next source of supply. That's how I feel narcissists are, though. They victimize people like us because we trust people. And I can tell you, your energy is very open and bright. And even though you've been through trauma and you've dealt with people like I've dealt with, when you're describing alcoholism and clinical depression, I'm like, okay, check, check. Dad was an alcoholic. 
clinical depression runs in my family. The narcissist was my grandmother. But then as adults, I've encountered people that I'm close friends with, and they will stab you so far in the back and not even look at you at the same time and not even shed a tear. And hearing your story just now with your ex-husband, yeah, it may take 13 years for the mask to fall off. But when that mask falls off and then they scramble to put it back on because they realize they've been exposed and they become one of the most ugliest people you'll ever encounter, you just want to run away from them. I think for me, I really had to see it. And I had to see it over that calendar year to really get it into the fabric of my being and to not go that direction in the future to come to really respect myself and have compassion for this empathic being that I am and also understand I had a need for approval by a male figure since second grade and Billy Fritz, like that was dysfunctional. It had to drop and I carried it for a long time. And this man helped me break that dependency and helped me learn who I authentically was. My friends would always say, you're so powerful. You're so accomplished. I didn't feel like that. I felt like a fraud. Let me ask you this, because obviously we're on a spiritual show. When you deal with these kind of issues, and I can say from my personal experience, a lot of times when you have someone that disappoints you deeply, one of the things we like to do is try to make sense of it. Try to think if they were like us, how could they do such a thing? For me, that's the first thing you can't do, right? It's like you can't try to think how someone like a narcissist, someone who doesn't have the capacity at this stage of their life, they're not there. Would you agree with that? That you can't try to justify whatever it is that you feel they may have done or not done based on your own standard of your own internal point of reference? That's what I learned, Jason, that when you're in that kind of dynamic and relationship, there's no choice but to disconnect completely and hold no contact or hold strong boundaries. From your own point of reference, how do you feel knowing that you put a book out there that might help motivate other people to either get help from themselves, make put order into things, or try to establish healthy relationships between themselves and others in their lives? Jason, it wasn't my goal to be an author. I didn't think I had a story to tell. I was told in 2007 by an (laughs) Irish seer that I had a book to write and it was going to help people. And that's what it's doing. As a throwaway, I put exercises in the appendix that helped me walk through some of the stuff that I've walked through. And I had a new friend here in rural Montana knock on my door because she used one of them and had such huge insight. The dominoes just fell into place for her. And I feel like, yeah, maybe I picked this before I came in. Maybe I'll read the fine print more closely next time around. Has anyone ever told you that you're an empath? I'm a super empath. I got your energy as an empath. That's why I bring that up to you. And I also want to ask you, and I know that has a lot to do with your journey. Because as an empath, you have to put up those kind of boundaries with people. And if someone's profoundly negative, and if you're around that negative person, it could be toxic. It could be like, you can get a headache or get feel sickened by negative energy. And I guess, have you utilized your empathic abilities going forward? By the way, I don't think you're just doing one book. I think you're going to have another one, by the way. At oh, some... Jason, this, I, I, just, I was told, yeah. <laughs> another book. I see you writing. I see the writing thing. I, I could even see you coming back on and sharing the other book with us once it's written. I'll still be around. Um, 
I, I see that. I'm just looking at your energy right now. I see you as an empath. I see you working very closely with people remotely through Zoom. You're going to be doing like some type of sessions with people. You don't have to have letters after your name to not inspire others when you have life experience. You got your degree through life. And from my vantage point, as I see what you're doing right now, and I can see what's coming up, that's one of my things is I see you taking the empath experience, integrating it with trauma and healing and coming up with some type of a book that discusses the interplay between those things to help other people who might be empathic or need to deal with their own trauma and healing within themselves in a spiritual context. And I almost feel like you may either co-author it with somebody who has a spiritual background, like a healer, or you're going to do something like incorporating meditation, breath work, healing modalities. There's stuff in the first book that you didn't get to that I feel like you'll be able to create an entire second book with at some point. I owe you $250 for that. You don't at all. You don't at all. I just, I started doing that with interviews. When I pick up stuff, I'll share it because I figured why not? It's part of who I am. It's part of the experience coming on my show, like you said, before we started. But think when it comes to what you're doing with your journey, you're just at the first beginning steps of this journey. You haven't even seen where you're going to wind up. I think your journey is going to involve travel. It's going to start off remotely, but it's going to involve travel. You're going to go to different events. You're going to help empower women who have suffered with narcissistic relationships people who feel broken, people who feel like there's no hope, no possibility of healing. You're going to be that kind of person to show these people, like almost like you're leading sheep down the road. You're like helping them not to the slaughter, but to healing. Like you're like, I see you as a shepherd leading souls to healing, helping people grow, helping people compassionately heal through challenges past these loveless relationships or relations that became loveless because of abuse and where the person tries to make the other person inadequate. I see you dealing with a lot of that. You'll have people come in as experts and talk. You might host events. Wouldn't doubt it. Thank you, Jason. And I have had an amazing and privileged career up to this point, but I do feel like this is an important conversation. It's a taboo topic. And I feel like this is my life purpose. This is why I was brought in. This is why I walked through the fire and brimstone I have. This trudge has been really tough. I see this earth as a huge schoolroom. It's We're in incredible. Class. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it is. Yeah. I always think about this as I get older. If I get a wrinkle somewhere in my face, it's like the rings around the tree trunk, right? If you open up the tree trunk and cut it open, you'll see all these little round rings. I just feel like they're, they're badges of honor that we've made it an extra time around the sun. We survived the pandemic. We've overcome all these things. Give me more wrinkles. I don't care. <laughs> That's how I joke about things. Like you have to have a sense of humor as you age. Have you found from your own personal experiences, your own journey that you're on right now? Have you conceptualized in your mind as you go through these steps of life and you learn these different things, how you're going to impart that on so many others through your messaging and through your work? I have to be really careful not to let that mind get in the way because I have a background as a producer. So I can be a bulldozer. It's been really important for me to find where my heart is and to allow some of those heavy, thick layers of muck melt. And I think that going forward and even in the process of writing the book, 
I made myself sit at the computer for 15 minutes a day, whether I had something to write or not. And though it gave me a great first pass in a manuscript, I didn't feel connected with it. I had to go back and come at it from little Susie's point of view, that little soul inside that walked through it all with me. And that gave me connection and that made it magical. It became more of an activation after that point. And I think that going forward is my magnetism and that's the magic for others that'll impact. Tell me a little about your own intuition. I know we already talked about you being an empath, but everybody's got the intuition. I see you smiling just to describe her. I love that. Can you tell our audience a little about your own intuition and how it's helped you on your journey? I've been very intuitive and even telepathic when I was young. And that voice is always in there. Yeah. I could read out those adults, but they sure didn't like it. When I was about nine, the truth was just flying out of my mouth. And it happened in adulthood too. I'd just slide into a booth and tell someone why their wife was unhappy without their asking. It's (laughs) unregulated with me, but the intuition has always been there. It's just taken me time to trust it as an adult because of all the mind fluffing as a youngster. and. I'd rather throw it under the carpet, but it's undeniable and it's getting more and more clear as I ground and become more truthful to who I authentically am. When people talk to me and they're like, how do you know you're, how did you know you were intuitive? How did you know you were psychic? But I say to them, the difference between a psychic and someone who's not is to have confidence in what you get. I learned that the more I had confidence in the information I was receiving, and I was able to distinguish as it's not something with my human eyes or one of my five senses, there's stuff coming in here for a reason. And that makes me intuitive. And I try to tell people that all the time that anyone who doubts their own intuition, if they don't have the confidence to be able to understand the information when it comes in and they just just discount it. My mom's 76. She was intuitive her whole life. And I was able to persuade her at 73 to start listening to the voices that come in her head. Because most of us are trained in life that if we start hearing voices, we might have some psychiatric issues when in reality, being intuitive is nothing about psychiatry or anything like that. It's about expanding ourselves like a butterfly with wings, branching out. And I want to ask you from your own personal experiences, once you start gaining the confidence that you realize the information coming to you was from an intuitive source, did that transform your own process of healing and being able to overcome a lot of the challenges you were previously plagued with? The strongest one and of my lifetime was I try to make my husband accountable through mediation and a post-nuptial agreement. We got to the last bone of contention. And I thought there'd be agreement, even though I knew there, the expiration date was long expired on the marriage. And he crossed his arms and his eyes went in those cold lizard like slits that you, and he said, I'm hiring an attorney and I'm filing a divorce. And my intuitive voice came over the right shoulder, loud and clear. This is the universe doing for you and what you cannot do for yourself. And I repeated that like a mantra through that year that we lived in the same structure and it helped me move forward so strongly. And after that, I never doubt any voice that comes in. And I think that we all agree with you. We all have it, but the systems and the structures that are in place culturally and our society that are breaking down now have prevented us from really tuning in there gently. That is such a perfect example, by the way, because like when you're looking at something and and someone on the outside say, oh my God, your life is falling apart right now. The person you are married to is walking away from you, filing for divorce. And then you have a voice popping in saying, let it go. 
Let it go. We're doing you a favor. Let it go. It'll be okay. Like that kind of inner voice validating you within when you're like thinking horrifically how terrifying this is, et cetera. Reality is that's a perfect example because the universe is telling you, your spirit guides are telling you, we need you to get this done. And if you can't do this, it's going to be done for you because you're designed for bigger, better things than this. And that's like a, that's like a masterpiece for the universe. It's artwork right there, right? Not to play on words. But the horrible experience of that kind of traumatic situation can cause us to transform. I would say, from what I see in front of me right now, as we're talking on our Zoom call, yes, the audio will be part of the podcast. I see a beautiful, thriving person who has overcome a lot and may not always realize the potential of what you've accomplished until you actually work with others who see what you do and get inspired by what you do. You're that light. If you think of someone who's in a tunnel, like if, I'm thinking if you even drive into the city from New Jersey, you got to go through the Holland Tunnel and it becomes really dark and then the light comes and you're like, your eyes light up. And I feel like that's where you've come to at this point, even having to spend a year in a house with someone that you know you're going to be divorced from shortly and having to keep up those appearances and do only things in writing and keep things quiet. And that transformed you. If you think about having to melt metal to create the best weapon that exists or to burn away the negativity that someone has to go through, you've gone through all that. And that's what I see now. I want to ask you, when you're looking at where you are and the transformations you've been through from the trauma and the experiences with the negative narcissists in your life and all those things, what would you say to somebody right now that's going through this type of situation? How would you recommend for them that they take certain steps to put their life where they need it to be, but they just don't seem to have the courage to do? First, hold on for the miracle because there will be one. And it's very difficult to face your biggest fears, but that is why we are here. And like you said, it will be forced upon you regardless. So step up and the awareness and then to get help to walk through the journey. You need help and you're entitled to help and it's all going to be okay. I had the most magical things happen to me, including making one of the biggest deals in my life that took care of a lot of those attorney bills that were coming in in the middle of the night and freaking me right out. Yeah. And I can tell you, I work on a contingency fee. So anything I get comes out of a recovery, but I understand the hourly rates of a lawyer can be nerve wracking for it. And bad enough, you're going through a life-changing situation. It's life-changing. It helped me see that money's like monopoly money. Just, it comes when you need it, flows out, comes back in. It's all okay. And it really helped me free it up a little bit. Feel prosperity. And when I talk about prosperity, I talk about it as abundance. I don't just talk about physical monetary prosperity because money is money, but we all need some level of comfort in our lives. But abundance for me represents, do you have good people around you? Are you in a loving relationship with people around you? Do you feel connected to those around you? Have you taken steps to feel more involved with the people in your life that you're not just going through and playing a role with a mask on? Are you being real with the people in your life? Are you being real with your emotions and your feelings? That's where I'm trying to be now in my life. After surviving cancer and COVID and the pandemic and all these things that we've gone through, I feel like we all have our own challenge in understanding and making sense of our world. And from my vantage point, I want to ask you this. Tell us about your childhood and how it shaped you into the person you are today? There were pluses and there were minuses. There was a lot of joy in that crazy household too. 
So it was not a steady, stable platform for me. There was danger at every corner. There was abuse of every type lathered into every crevice. My first suicidal ideation was when I was six years old. I took the knife out of the carving block and just fascinated by the blade, thought, wow, if I could just lance this through my little heart right now, this would all be over. And my mom came thundering in and I slammed the thing back in the block so quickly. But that home gave me tenacity. It gave me strength. It gave me freedom. Ultimately, I knew there was no one to fall back on. That message was drilled into me. I knew that I needed to be independent. I knew I needed to stand up and I knew I needed to take risks. But I also had low self-esteem, almost no self-worth. I was a confused chameleon and I would become who you wanted me to be just to stay safe. That's so interesting you say that because from my vantage point, I remember being, I w- in terms of abuse, it was more verbal abuse I went through as a child, but the alcoholism with an alcoholic parent. And I remember three years old, we had a drunk driving accident. I remember the police taking us down to the station and my mom had to pick me and my brother up. And I was like excited to ride in the back of the police car at three years old. <laughs> and I didn't realize that my life had just been possibly wiped away if we had hit the median head on a little more than the way we did. Traumatic experiences will always be with us. We all have our inner children. Like I could bring up that experience at the drop of a a hat, so to speak, but we also try to keep it hidden. We try to like, because I I think the way, at least my understanding of things is even though we came from households like that, you have to keep up the appearance that everything's normal. Everything's okay. Everything's going to be fine. So you have all this chaos around you and then you go out and about and you're like, oh, everything's fine. I've survived. I went through this car accident. The police came and got us and arrested my dad. And I went out and I got a piece of gum and I was happy. I was outside as a three-year-old. You, you become more resilient, but those experiences will always be a part of our minds. And I want to ask you in terms of just being human beings that we are and trying to challenge ourselves with love relationships, close friendships, trusting others. Like you're right about that. And I challenge myself with this every day, my interpersonal relationships. The people that are here now, will they be here five years from now? Maybe they won't. Maybe they will. But no matter what, I'll be here five years from now. And that's what matters to me. And whoever's in my life at this stage, they either deserve to be here or they're on their way out. Because if they're not serving a higher need and being reciprocal and putting everything into the life that we need to do for each other, there's no value. I don't have anyone in my life that's energy sucking vampire people anymore. I've been able to get through those people in my life. Have you found in your own experiences right now where you're at that you basically have gotten rid of those type of people? I'll say that the ones that take more advantage than give, the ones who seem to contact you when they need something, but not as much to offer when you need them. I can see through the ruse way more clearly and I can call it. I think I mentioned I had an addiction to the attention of men. And after my divorce, I went for seven years by choice with one date. It was an Academy Award-winning director, Emmy-winning producer, had all the bells and whistles, was set up by dear friends. I didn't want to go. And the day of the date came and he said, do you mind driving over here and we'll go to the event together? And that was the red flag. I went, but really, you can't drive 10 minutes from your house to my house and pick me up on the first date. Ooh, travel. Bye-bye. And it was bye-bye. Whereas before, I would have ingratiated myself 
took care of his needs. So he probably would have been involved for at least a few months. I see it clearly now. And I, I say no to it for myself. I'm polite and I wish them well, but I don't take care of it any longer. Have you found that ever since you've done that, the universe has brought new energy into your life that's more balanced than exactly what you need it to be? I literally live in a new zip code, but energetically, I live in a new zip code too. I love that. I love that. Have you been able to find someone in your life that fulfills the type of things that you're looking for at this stage of your life? Or are you still on that journey? So I didn't ask for it. I went kicking and screaming. It was COVID and I was doing an angel class and people were from around the world in this class. And there were two people in LA where I lived that were in the class. So I invited them both out and, and made friends, especially particularly with one. And I don't know, a year into it, the universe had other ideas for both of us. Neither one of us wanted to connect and take it any further, but he's been my partner now for a couple of years. Congratulations. I'd love to hear that because I think being able to find your better half and have that work out after going through all these challenges, it's a new beginning. It's a new chapter. It's a, I find from my own personal experience that when I clear out energy that doesn't serve my highest needs, that the universe tends to fill that gap and fill that void within a few months it takes. It might take a few months for divine timing to take over, but it does. From my vintage point, If you don't sit still and you're not stagnant, you won't be stagnant. It's all about how we perceive the world around us. You could take the the concept of the secret and manifestation and all these various things, and you can change up your world if you want to, and not be afraid to take out the dead weight. Like people go on these fab diets all the time and lose 20 pounds. How about you lose 400? Get rid of two people that don't serve your highest needs (laughs) or one person that just happens not to, (laughs) depends on who you're dealing with, but why not? I'm just saying from all the experiences I've had, and I used to be one of these people when I was younger, I was a people pleaser, overachiever type. So I went to college and I was in all these organizations and had this ideal that I wanted to be a lawyer and I wanted to have straight A's and I needed to do, and I fit all those roles. And then I got to law school and burnt out slightly and realized, you know what? You got to do what you need in your life. You can't put the expectations of others before your own. And it took me another 20 something years of doing that to get to the point where I am now. It's not like I had overnight learning lessons and then I transformed myself. No, this could be a slow process. And that's the other thing I want to mention for audiences. Don't think this is going to happen overnight. This could be a lifelong process that you undergo 30, 40, 50 years, whatever it's going to be. It might be something like that for until you finally find your journey where it needs to be. Don't get discouraged. That's what I would tell anyone I'm working with who calls me for a reading and they're frustrated. And I'm like, look, you're on your journey. Don't be upset about being on the journey. We're breathing. For as long as we breathe, we're learning. And then we ascend. We don't die. We ascend. So what is there about this journey you're unhappy with? And then I ask that question and I say, no, actually ask yourself that when you hang up the phone with me. What is it about this journey you're unhappy with? Is it a job? Change it. Is it your appearance? Change it. If it's your partner, goodbye. You can make these subtle changes a little at a time. You don't have to be stuck. For the younger people listening, it's like your Snapchat filter. You can change your hair color, your emoji, what you're wearing. You could do that in real life, guys. You could really do this stuff in real life. And Susan, I want to ask you, because I know you're laughing as I say this, from your vantage point, do you feel that transformation is a part of the life experience that we should all embrace, even in dealing with our own demons and dealing with things from our past, that transforming ourselves is actually a healing modality that enables us to go from point A to point B over time with an appreciation of it rather than fearing it. I think authentic transformation leads to true freedom. And I think that's been elusive. So that's the gift. 
What's your favorite thing about being intuitive that you haven't shared on a podcast before? It's fun. It's super fun. And it's so natural to really trust it and say, okay, and I don't feel alone. I don't feel as naked and I feel safe. I'm like, wow, this is really a part of my being. And it's a part that's cheering me on and rooting for me. And it's bringing joy to other people. It's so much fun. You mentioned magic. I have to say this. I think some of the things that you think are magic are synchronistic in your life. And they happen because you manifest them. And your power of creative flow helps you as well with being able to express what's bottled up inside. You can take life experiences and channel into a creative endeavor, like a book or some other project. And you can let it out, but you also communicating very important things about yourself in the process. And I want to ask you about your own creative flow. Have you found that you've utilized your own creative abilities to help you through some challenging situations? That's why I'm still here. Totally why I'm still here. I would have taken myself off planet a long time ago. There's so many exit points that were optional. And I'm grateful that I have that skill set and ability just like all your listeners have it, just like you have it. It's one of the beautiful aspects of being a human being that I think has been repressed or negated or shoved to the side. And I think it's rearing its beautiful, exquisite unicorn head right now. I love the unicorn analogy. When I'm sitting here, it's literally the podcasting route that taught me my own power of creative flow. Like when I say that, let's say I have a bad day. We all get them. Get on an interview, interview someone amazing like you, and it motivates me. And then I have a creative flow. Oh, let me come up with some new show ideas, or let me come up with another podcast idea, or let me come up with this. And every time I come up with something, it takes my mind off that negative thing one one more time. And it enables me to focus my attention on something that's literally constructive, that's benefiting not only me, but if I create something that can entertain somebody else or someone else can relate or connect to, then I'm taking something internally and sharing it, but I'm transforming the entire thing around me. So now my negative experience is no longer long-term negative because I've had a creative experience kind of intercede and pick it up. And the spiritual aspects of that, I have so many spiritual things that happen to me on a daily basis. I could be sitting there and then think of something. And the next thing you know, I get a phone call and it's about the thing I was thinking about. Did you find for yourself that's what happens as well? Because that's not magic to me. That's like the awareness that we're integrated in the universe energetically and that we could put things out there that bring us back things like that. I was nine on my basement, on my belly, on my beanbag chair, watching Barbara Walters. And I'm like, I'm going to New York City and I want to be just like her. I did go to New York City and Barbara Walters became my private exercise client. I was her trainer. I, to make money. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I love that. What do you say to people who deal with clinical depression? How would you recommend for them to manage it? And what do you think you suggest to them at this stage? I struggled for a decade with it. And I had to understand what it was initially. I did not want to take medication. I was in a treatment center, luckily, and a 17-year-old heroin addict who was in the same treatment center with me said, if you came to this hospital and you had the symptoms you had, and they did blood work, and they said this medication would help, would you take it? And it was a no-brainer then. I was newly sober and I didn't want to take medicine on top of being sober. I thought it was an oxymoron. So I'm glad I did it. It helped me get on an even playing field so I could do the work. And that's what's essential for people to know that 
medication isn't going to fix the issue. It's going to put you on an even playing field, hopefully, maybe, so you can learn what the depression is and how to work with it. That last two months of the divorce period, I felt the symptoms of clinical suicidal depression come on again. And I set up a friend for every day of the week and I checked in with that friend. And if I was feeling suicidal, I told, and they didn't answer, I told them on their voicemail, I'm feeling suicidal and I'm going to call the next person on the list until I get somebody live and work through this thing. And that's what rode me through that last two months. And I didn't need medication. I've been off medication for decades by then, but the signs and symptoms. So that's what I would say to people that you can work with it, that it feels like crap, but there is help. And once you go down that bar, you don't have to go down there again. I love that. Cause instead of saying, put your hands in the air and say, I got depression. I can't do anything about it. I'm going to stay here and be depressed all day. It's no, you don't need to live like that. My depression during the pandemic was really bad. Like I'd sit there for days on end and be like, we couldn't go anywhere or do anything. And I'm a cancer patient survivor of a couple of years. Like I had stage one kidney cancer. My doctor's like, just stay home. So yeah, of course we have to stay home. But it was, you go through that deep soul searching process. And I did something similar to what you're talking about. Make yourself accountable, reach out to people, feel connected to people. You don't have to deal with this alone. You can have people in your life that support you and can be that reassurance for you that you need. And nobody needs to go through this alone. There are resources out there. So anyone who's struggling right now, I would tell you, go get help. And there's no stigma having a mental health issue. If you had a broken arm, you'd walk into the ER and they'd give you a cast and they would make sure there's nothing too severe. If you have mental health issues, it's not as visible on the outside, but they can now start understanding it on the inside, especially if you're able to communicate how you're feeling and do it in real time and don't give up. Because I can tell you when I've struggled with depression, there's times you want to give up, but the people around you who love you are the reasons and the reminders to stick around. That's just my two cents on it. I got two parrots and every morning I check on them and they check on me and we check on each other. That was during the pandemic. I'm saying that was one of those things that got me through those periods of like when you had your divorce, I'm sure calling your friends and reaching out to people in your life that mattered and then reaching that one person that could speak to you, they took you off the edge. And now you're in such a position to empower so many others. And that's a gift. Let me ask you this. How can our audience find you? Oh, if you feel called or pulled, just go to susangold.us. It's all there. Susan, if you were a spirit animal, which spirit animal would you be and why? Oh, wow. I just got a white dove image come to mind. Yeah. Interesting. Because there's a lot of elk where I live and they're so beautiful. But yeah, white dove flying high. I always say owl because they're they're wise. You get 360 degrees looking around, you can see everything and they give you the ability and opportunity to really consider everything. That's what I always say. I just want to thank you for coming on and sharing your amazing story with us today. And I'm going to encourage everyone in our audience to pick up your book and to contact you directly because I find you're very refreshing. Your information is something that I think can be very inspiring to other people who are going through these similar circumstances. And I want to thank you for coming on. I want to thank you for showing up, for taking the energy that you do and the enthusiasm, your wisdom and your hope and producing it in such a beautiful way. The content that you're creating is exceptional and it's pure in spirit and in joy. So thank you, Jason. Susan, 
you're going to make me emotional, but I got to say thank you. I received that with every blessing you just gave me on that. Thank you so much. That means a lot. It really does. I just want to thank Susan for coming on the show today and sharing her amazing experiences. This is a topic that not a lot of people like to talk about, how you can grow up in a toxic family and have to go through this childhood that you feel trapped into, and then you grow into an adult and you're always looking for sources of relief. You're always trying to make sense of things and you got to switch paradigms. And Susan's book, Toxic Family, Transforming Childhood Trauma into Adult Freedom. Check it out, guys. This is a book, I think, if you're struggling internally with things in your own life, you're dealing with some past experiences that you find haunt you as an adult in your relationships, or you find it very difficult for you to connect with others as an adult, there might be reasons behind it. It might be back from your earlier years. You could be, you could have had a relationship with someone who's a narcissist and they may have caused you a lot of damage and you may not never gotten to grips with it. And now you're still coping with that. And I would just say that we're meant to live the best versions of ourselves every day. And there will be challenges. You're going to have people you encounter that disappoint you. You may have someone hurt you. You may have somebody walk away from you and it sucks, but you know what? Big picture, you're resilient. If there's anything I learned from doing this show the last several years is our resiliency of the human spirit can overcome anything. We have to make sense of within ourselves and reach out to the right people in our lives to do But it's the fact. So stay positive in your life. And if you're going through something hard, get help. You don't have to suffer alone. And my viewpoints on mental health is just like a broken arm. If you have a mental health issue, get help for yourself. It's very important. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Stay positive. Susan's information will be in the show notes. Thanks again. Until next time, be well. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Electric acid. Electric acid.